Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back to Saturday Draft Live. It's the WrestleMania to SummerSlam season still plowing away. And this week's analysis of that season is being brought to you by two men who don't do very well in this particular season. But we we keep on keeping on. And who be we? I be Scott McLeod. And this man joining me is, after last week, your new ESR champion. Will he walk out of double or nothing as the champion still? The odds don't look good. Uh, Stay with me. Yeah, you're right enough there. I mean, I've only had one successful defense in sweet predictions. So it's... Uh, and AEW isn't exactly my strongest subject. Uh, and I think given the, the size of the double or nothing card, I mean, it's I suppose it's all to play for, but it doesn't look like it's going to be a, an easy an easy defense, shall we say. Yes, uh Tony Khan has taken the Fraser Crane approach, saying, if less is more, how much more will more be? That's his, that's his approach. But I want to address some things about, about last week, because I think some fingers started getting pointed around about who whose idea it was to do what with the title shots and everything. And let me address this. Yes, it was me, Austin. It was me all along. I <laughs> said, Ross, you should come on the show and debut if you like getting your opportunity, because since David Campbell up on himself to say that both he and Gary got title shots uh, for the title when they won and the no, him and Ryan sorry got title shots when they won the previous season and I assume that's just the way we were doing it so I thought Gary's time will come Gary would have been on but he had other arrangements that day so excuse me I wasn't on that week but yes maybe behind the strings I was the puppet master saying we should arrange a title match for the show excuse me if my only crime is wanting to make this show better for people to listen to, give people more reasons to tune into the show, then fine, lock me up. Fine. <laughs> and Ross, bloody, oh, this is the Book of Woo affair, they need the Mandalorian to come in. I don't remember the episode of the Mandalorian where Din Djarin didn't show up because Rangers were playing or because he took himself a fucking holiday and had to leave Ropey with somebody else. So, you know, stick your metaphors up your arse. Anyway, I'm glad you lost. But it's not about him. It's about <laughs> the draft. It's about the season. And it's about the top three of the week. And we'll look at the number three of the week on eight points this week. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something. CB's captain, Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sounding like a broken record with Cody Rhodes a bit, you know, because last week I said, obviously, because it's his initial season as a returnee to WWE uh, but you know he keeps getting appearances wins left right and centre and he's heavily featured on Raw these days but there have been rumours that the brand split is now effectively over uh, with WWE so I reckon if they're just going to keep booking their top stars going forward Cody Rhodes has got to be one of those guys that you expect to see more often than not so it's and that's what's keeping Stevie afloat in this draft here Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Cody on SmackDown a bit more often in like the coming months if the, that is the case with the brand split and everything. I think we knew that Cody was going to be a high-value pick and Steven just said to be the, 
that would be the guy who was lucky enough to get him at that point in the selection because you'd think they'd try and pick him that strongly if they were able to, you know, wear him back when he left AEW. So yeah, he's on eight points, on nine points as the current NXT champion. A man from uh, Chris Anthony Lopez's team will be talking to Chris a little bit later on in the show. But, you know, when we do talk to Chris, we did talk about how like one of his stronger picks is Brom Brooker, and that is basically proven once again to be true in the top three of the week and mm-hmm. title defence next weekend at NXT in your house. Yeah, not only that, Braun Breaker's also third overall in the season with 42 points total, only just above the Usos, who have had a tremendous season thus far. And as you mentioned, Cody Rhodes just there, he's currently in second, 58 points overall. Mm-hmm. So a bit of a gap between Breaker and Cody, but, you know, Braun Breaker, you know, he's a easily a star of tomorrow and he's the big... The big man on the NXT campus with this feud against Joe Gacy. He may have lost by DQ against, uh, oh, what's his face? The guy that Cameron Grimes shaved bald. It was... uh, Duke Hudson. Duke Hudson, yeah. Lost to him by DQ, but it doesn't matter. I think appearance points alone is what keeps Broadbreaker afloat here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it took a couple of seasons with the revamped NXT to figure out who were going to be the top picks early on, like who were going to bring the most points. I think very early on, People like Braun Breaker stood out and it's been evidence for, for Chris here and uh, I foresee another successful defence next weekend. And number one in the season overall and number one in the top three on 10 points, you know who we're going to talk about. We've talked about far too often. It's like Jim McIntyre, the last Mania at Summer Slam season where we just got bored of talking about him. So I'm not even going to talk about him. You know who it is. So instead, I'm just going to fill this 30 seconds that we would have talked about him with uh, Dave. Who's your favourite Friends character? Oh, it's got to be Joey, easily. Like, because I think he had the most character development over the ten seasons. You know, starting off as a bit of a bit of a bit of a playboy at the start. You know, the young up and coming actor. But then over time, he sort of develops a heart of gold, and his sense of humour is just second to none compared to the rest of the characters. So it's like behind that, you know, that um, that it, that slightly idiotic demeanour is a really caring guy and i'm really sad that he never got his uh he never got like a he had, he didn't end up in a solid relationship by the end of the season yeah he was the only one that didn't really end up with anybody at the end i think that's what the whole point of it giving him his spin-off was for but then again as good as it was as part of the ensemble it just didn't work out when he was on his when he was on his own mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna have to say chandler because uh, i've grown to appreciate chandler more over the years because i'm a sarcastic bastard as well so you know, every group got a Chandler. If you don't know who the Chandler is in your group, there's a chance it's you. So there you go. Brock Lesnar, apparently his favourite character is Monica. So there you go. <laughs> I can imagine Brock Lesnar being like a Monica, you know, he's cleanliness around his ranch. That's why you never see him. He's too busy cleaning up his house. Every time he comes back via, via Universal, WWE title, Matt Sable's left the house in a right state. and He's got to clean it up for another three months. <laughs> Oh, jeez. You heard it here first. Uh, things don't work out well for, for Joe and his spin-off, and things aren't working out well for David Tottenham in the top nine overall. Is he still in last place? Uh, and 85 points. Not by uh, much, though. I know, and, but, but don't you... forget, And don't forget, my, tra- my performance in previous transfer window seasons isn't all that great, so if anything, I'm consistent here. Yes, you're consistent in that you've been last for most of this season. I'm I was trying mm-hmm. to figure out a great transition. That's what professionals do. Uh, with the West End Country Club, 
Uh, Adam Kelly with how much would good anything Jeremy Bromberg away with Bromberg could break with Eddie 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 91 points did the head of him on 92 and a half points uh, Ross McLeod's uh, what a man what a man what a mighty good McMahon what a mighty good Mahan and then on tied a three way tie for 9-9 is Gary myself and Ryan Dalgleish just kind of get rid of that bloody Ryan Dalgleish he keeps Keep sneaking up by a point or tying with me. He just won't leave me alone. Stephen <laughs> uh, Wilson, the Bell End Nightmares. I mean, Bell's Hill Nightmares <laughs> on 116 points. The Our guest this week, Chris Anthony Lopez, is on 121 points. But, of course, Jack Graham. We take a jump to Jack Graham with number one, 158 and a half points. Now... We should mention that, you know, I don't know if any announcements have been made for the, for the Usos on the Usos at Hell in a Cell, which probably if they are on Hell in a Cell, it could be big points for him. But, you know, transfer window, I think you do lose five points or so uh, yep. for every transfer you make. Jack will have to at least transfer one person as that person's been released. But I don't foresee that really hurting him any time soon. So if you worry why I see that lead closing, I don't think we'll see it until after the transfer window. Nah, you're right enough. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's mad to think, you know, Jack has a an over 35-point lead in this draft, and yet he's sitting with a contender who's on minus one and has been released. He's effectively not operating with a full team, and he's dominating the season right now. And I think that's largely down to a combination of the Usos and Tony Schiavone, you know, being his big, big scorers. And I know we shouldn't uh, should have talked about it, but you know, Big Tony's running rampant this season. That's that's all we can really say. There's two people called Tony in this season: one male, one female. And I did not think the male would be dominating as much as it was. Whereas <laughs> the on my team got unfairly kicked it, booted out of the Owen Hart tournament on this Wednesday show. When really, I think the Tony Brett Baker match really should have been the finals of the whole tournament. But that's just me. Anyway, because. Uh, it seemed people weren't happy with the with Ruby Soho going over Chris Statlander as well. Yeah, I think as soon as Britt won, looking at Chris v uh, Ruby, and no offence to Chris Statlander, but I think it kind of made the result obvious that Ruby was going to win. Mm. Either of those two could have faced Tony, whereas if uh, bloody Britt Baker won, then you were like, well, they were going to have a feel, they want to have a face heel thing because they've got a face heel thing for Joe versus Adam Cole, which we'll get to. Because double nothing this weekend. Obviously, Tony Schiavone is going to be making appearances. The selfish bastard. So that's more points going Jack Graham's way. And we'll talk more about who will get points at double or nothing, and as well as our interview with uh, Cristiano Lopez. But first, we must take a trip to the EW dark of the ESR draft, and that <laughs> is the over to our Tony Schiavone. David taught me on dark elevation. Yeah, well, to tell you what, um, there's actually not been a lot of movement since the last week. The The top five this week has pretty much been the same as before. So in fifth place, we have Ross Brady with Ney Mysterio on 159 points. Uh, Captaincy with the Usos. Uh, as obviously, you know, they're having a terrific season thus far. Although what's keeping them up in the top five is he also has Cody Rhodes and Jade Cargill both doing very well in their own respective ways. Although... Uh, Lost for Tony Storm in the Owen Hart tournament, not doing him any favours uh, for that one. Next, fourth place, Lee McAteer with Living on a Chair by Lana Austin on 163 points. Now, Lee 
has Tony as his captain, the top scorer this season. And I think that's what's doing him very well thus far. He also has the Usos, uh, the one of the best newcomers this season, Veer Mahan. A few successful title defences for Ricochet and Thunder Rosa as well, who is expected to defend the title at double or nothing. So Lee's doing, seems like a pr- pretty good lineup for, for Lee going at a double or nothing. Then just half a point ahead of him, it's Robert fucking Shaw and the Draft Bastards, best tag team partner you could ask for. Also team captain Tony Schiavone and his tag team is the Usos. Um... But what's letting Robert down, unfortunately, his fifth-round pick, Io Shirai, has yet to surface this season. But with Jade Cargill, AJ Styles, and Omos, it's, um, he does have a couple of good programs on Raw to keep him in the, in the top five. And a title defense for Jade Cargill this weekend should certainly keep him up in the top five. But that Io Shirai pick, I think he's going to have to do something about that. Uh, second place, JP. Hello, is your daughter there? Requiem, Requiem on 184 points. So about a 21-point gap uh, from that, from third place for JP. Captaincy, the Usos. And he also has Tony Schiavone, Jade Cargill, Ronda Rousey, Tony Storm, CM Punk. Quite a diverse team, to, to say the least. Uh, you know, Ronda Rousey getting a couple of title defenses against Charlotte and Raquel. Jade Cargill, as we've mentioned, TBS champion, undefeated still. CM Punk um, looking to dethrone Hangman Adam Page. I think that match could go either way, if I'm being honest. But JP, again, you know, still in a good position with Tony and the Usos. But once again, just one point ahead, though. It's getting competitive now. Uh, first place, Dan Axel Jameson with Old Age In-Laws, 185 points. Again, you see a running trend here. We've got Tony Schiavone, the Usos, and Jade Cargill. Quite a... Uh, few popular selections in the top five here. But I think what's keeping Dan afloat is this Mad Cat Moss Happy Corbin program because his fourth round pick is Mad Cat Moss and he is expected to return next week following his kayfabe injury. So I think we could see some either some drastic changes following double or nothing, but uh, those that don't have as much representation there, couldn't they bounce back from the upcoming programs on SmackDown? I think that's going to be the difference going forward. So that's this week's Listener's League. Well, how you said that Robert... Fucking Shaw is the best size partner you could ask for. When the next tagging season, you find another partner, yeah, you get Karen, who actually helps you win the season. So surely the partner that you win with is the best partner you could ask for. Stop trying to, you know, make them think that you like them. You know, you can drop the charade. Fuck Robert Shaw. <laughs> anyway, also, before we go to EW, I'm going to shoehorn this in there because I couldn't find another place to do it. Uh... I was going to do this at some point in the season, but even though I don't know what the, uh, I was going to do this at some point in the season, but you know, fuck it, you know, hell myself, next week, best place to do is probably now. A uh, captaincy change on my Ooh. part from Heyman and Reigns to Bianca Belair. Obvious decision, I think. Yeah, wise decision, definitely. She's got like a title match. I don't, I think it's a non title match actually again. Ask, uh, on this week's Raw, which will probably end screwy, but hopefully it'll be a case that Bianca gets hit first, so technically DQ win for her. And then I foresee a successful defence in the triple threat at LSL, which will lead to a singles match with her against Asuka or a rematch against Becky at Money in the Bank. Either way, I think she'll walk out of LSL as champion for a singles match with one of those opponents at the next pay-per-view. Oh, she is your top scorer with 33 points. It's uh, more than what your cap- your current captains are earning. So it's, I'd say, uh, why you didn't do that sooner is uh, is beyond me. 
I have my reasons. Moving on. Fair Double, or no- Double or nothing. Uh, a lot of matches on this show, as we said, so a lot of updates for points from people. Myself, I lost it on Tory Storm, get me any points, but I will be getting uh, appearance points following Meagle, who will accompany the Blackpool Combat Club, who are on Adam Kelly's team. He has a chance to get points there as the Blackpool Combat Club of Danielson and Moxley team with Proud and Powerful and Eddie Kingston against Jericho Appreciation Society. And I guaranteed points on the buy in as Hook teams with Dan Housen to more than likely destroy Mark Sterling and Tony Nice. So, some easy points there if I can get them. Uh, Ryan Dalgleish has Thunder Rosa. He's his only opportunity for points. Only on 12 overall. So, hoping to bump that up with successful pay per view title defence. And, you know, some of his female picks aren't working out because he's also got back to Naomi as a tag team. And he's got Yu Shirai who's not showing up. So, there's an obvious choice of who's getting transferred in a couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. Dave, uh, you also have a few opportunities to get points. You'll only be getting appearance points for Red Dragon because it was announced that after their assault on Sting the other week that Kyle O'Reilly will be taking on uh, Darby Allen a singles match. Mm. So, <clears throat> But you do have a big opportunities with Adam Cole taking on Samoa Joe at yep. the whole finals. And it was recently announced a big uh, six-person tag of Kazarian Sammy and Ty Conte against the men of the year, Scorpio and Ethan Page and Page Van Zandt. Uh, Scorpio Sky is on your team, so another potential points there, although I'd be more confident in Cole because I think that maybe Ethan Page will take the loss on uh, the, the heel team there, leading to either Kazarian or Sammy getting a shot at uh, Scorpio Sky. But I'm not here to fantasy book. Are they, the heel te- are they the heel team, though, given the response to Sammy and Tete? I mean, Scorpio's technically a. Uh, I think Scorpio's feeling like a face. The other two are heels, so you know, who who even knows? Eh? But they change it based on a weekly basis with this bloody feud. Mm. I tell you what, I'd love to see Adam Cole and Britt Baker win the respective Owen Hart tournaments. Then they could be like a proper power couple. Would be interesting, although they've emphasised that uh, Jay Lethal, who's been feuding with uh, Samoa Joe, is not allowed at ringside, so without distractions. There's every opportunity Joe could win, you know, also being the Ring of Honor TV champion at the minute. But we'll never know. Uh, do you see Scorpio Sky's new TNT belt? Oh, yeah, the nice shiny purple and gold one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks lovely. Yeah, it looks like a giant bloody quality street. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, it looks more like a world title these days, apart from obviously the big TNT logo on the front. But I, I like the, the use of the gold strap, though. I think that's quite unique yeah uh, FDR are on the show so no points there for Ross but I forgot Ross even had Ty Conte on his team so there you go Ty well, Conte do they not does it? Does FTR not um, oh no wait they're not on the show did you say yeah they're not on the show alright sorry Yeah, they, they were on Dynamite this week but they, they were attacked by Great Okan and Jeff Call of New Japan fame but uh, not on the card unfortunately as if they could randomly pop up who knows uh, Stephen Wilson looks to have a big night potentially at Dublin of the Nets. He has the Hardy Boys, who have a big dream tie team match against the, the Young Bucks. He also has Jade Cargill, who will be defending her TPS title against Anna J. And of course, Wardlow, who will be taking on MJF. A lot of people foresee a big Wardlow win. So Stephen's in third. He could potentially, with a good enough night, maybe leapfrog over Chris Lopez for second place. Yeah, I think Stephen's going to be the best chance of getting big points here, with especially, I think. The story, I think, tells, you know, I think Wardlow is definitely 
a next sort of breakout star, you know, if because you in case you forgot, like ages ago, I think he won the 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 big brass ring ladder match. Was it called? Uh, the giant, the giant Cheerio on a pole match. Yeah, yeah, yes, the Cheerio on a pole match. That's it. Um, but yeah, that and also as you said, the Hardy Boys and against the Bucks. I think that one could go either way, but it's still potential big points for for Stevie nonetheless. Yeah, and also Jake Cargill thing like that goes as way big title points there on pay per view. You know, they, they could probably stretch our undisputed streak out for quite a while. So. You know, that probably will go his way. Uh, Gary Kernan's got Sammy Guevara, so potential points if the faces-ish faces win on that one. Tony Schiavone, obviously, on he's the only AEW pick right now. I'm surprised he's, other than that, he's mainly WWE heavy, so maybe some appearances from Tony Schiavone on that point. Uh, and also, uh, Hangman Page, is on Adam Kelly, it's even the big world title match coming up. But uh, Chris Lopez has CM Punk, and he has Jamie Hayter, who might appear with Britt Baker. Also. I didn't realise, Britt Baker undrafted this scene. Yeah, that's what I was saying, yeah. I think it was last week I said Britt Baker was undrafted, which is mental to think. Yeah, that probably could change uh, if she comes out of this own heart tournament as the winner that could lead to a rematch with uh, her and Thunder Rose should Thunder Rose have come out on top in the women's title match or maybe she'll decide to go after the TPS title but either way I think she'll be back in the title picture if she wins that Owen Hart tournament and I think they'll be all be keen to try and get her on their teams because some other uh, female picks have not worked out so well I mean Stephen got Bailey on his team with zero points Sly Deville Adam Kelly team three points to go guys we said for Jack minus one point it's amazing how Jack can have a, a pick who's got who it's amazing how Jack's team can have the highest score of the season overall and someone on minus points at the same time. Corey Jade, uh, sorry, Chris Lopez, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, has Corey Jade on 11 points and Jamie Hater, you know, the lucky to Britt Baker on 7 points, but didn't think to get Britt Baker ourselves. Unbelievable, some people. I know, right? Unbelievable. And a reminder, Vince McMahon still on one point. He's not a woman, but I just thought I'd mention, remind you that Vince McMahon is in this season in 2022. <laughs> Anywho, big night to come at double or nothing. Big, a lot of work for Stephen Wilson points-wise the next day. A lot of work for me to do the sweep this time around. 13 goddamn matches, but that'll do us uh, for this portion of the show. We'll now transport magically through the medium of editing to something that definitely wasn't recorded pre-Dynamite to talk to Chris Andy Lopez about the likes of Jamie Hayter and Sia Blanc and his other uh, team members, what he's thinking there in his first solo season and how he thinks he can maybe catch up to Jack Graham. We'll go to that right now. And we are back with this week's guest on Saturday Draft Live. He is the man going into his first ever solo season after coming so close alongside me uh, in the tag team season. We just managed to finish in third. Uh, he is the man. He was one part of Mick Lopez. Now he's just the heartbreaker with homeboy in the heartbreakers. It's Chris Anthony Lopez. Hello, Chris. What's good? Yeah, man. Homeboy in the heartbreakers. We're rocking this season. We are definitely rocking. <laughs> <laughs> You certainly are. I mean, you 
easier had a good run as a tag team, and now this season you've been pretty much the closest contender to Jack Graham uh, coming under him. I think partly due to the fact that you also took uh, RK Bro, who have been back and forth non-stop this season alongside the Usos or Jack's team. But, uh, you know, how are you feeling now after the fallout of the title unification match or not being on TV recently? Are you, you starting to worry about your position? So I'm gonna be honest. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop the the homeboy and the heartbreakers love for a second. Like I I love my team. I love every single person on my team. I think my team's great. But damn, do I wish I had one of the first two picks? Because if I could have told you this title unification thing months ago, right? I could have told you this thing about the Usos forever ago. And the second they were like, oh, we're gonna unify the titles, I'm like, well, shit. Like the Usos are definitely gonna take the belt off of RK bro and you know what now I I still feel all right I still love my I still love my team as it stands I'd be lying to you guys if I said I wasn't looking at the transfer window already if I wasn't looking ahead to that um to see uh, any possible changes I can make maybe some folks who I who I was thinking about during the draft I didn't pull the trigger on but We'll see, but I love my team so far, and RK Bro being the the shining stars of of my team. Thank you so much to Riddle and to Randy Orton for really carrying the load for the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're the the key team on Raw, and they have been for a long time. So I don't think anyone could have faulted you for for picking them, given how early on in the selection process you were being third uh, overall, I believe, to to make your pick. You know. And it's true, nobody could have foreseen when we made the selection two days before SmackDown that they were going to announce their intention for a title unification. So get off my back, Dave and Brian. You dug your own grave when you picked Heyman and Reigns over the Usos, Scott. That's your own fault. And I'm still going to reiterate oh, yeah. that until the, for the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. Well, how, how did I pick the guy who, who was going to appear on both Raw and SmackDown? Or it seemed like he was going to pick up appear on Raw and SmackDown as the unified champion alongside his manager. Why wouldn't <laughs> I think he was going to be on all the time, huh? Uh, in all fairness, they are the third high... Uh, no, beg your pardon. They're the fourth uh, highest scoring tag team overall, but it looks like they could be overtaken by Blackpool Combat Club very soon. Can I just ask, how are Red Dragon doing so far, Dave? Van Dabby Dozy. <laughs> So yeah, here, sure let me are. let me let me defend uh, Dave real quick because like I know it's uh, Scott. Like you 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 chose Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman. It's, I totally understand why you picked them. Like I, they wouldn't have been my first choice, but I I, I totally understand your thought process on it. The only downfall is that Reigns doesn't wrestle on TV, and that's all the Usos have been doing. The Usos are carrying the load and the entering stuff for the bloodline. That's the only reason why the Usos have garnered, have gained so many points that they have because they, I feel like they wrestle. One of them wrestles at least every week. Well, we're not here to talk about me, are we? Go mm-hmm. on, moving on to your team, Chris. Also, you were, like yeah. I said, you were third overall. How did you feel about that position? I mean, fairly high uh, in the traditional way we used to draft, but now you have to think about the snake draft, which meant in rounds uh, two and four singles wise, you were kind of late on in selection. Did that affect your strategy? Because you did say maybe but going for people you didn't get a chance to to pick when the transfer window comes around. So I my my third position in the draft, I felt good about it. I knew I was gonna miss out on the bloodline, which I mean I, I cried about it later, it's no big deal. But my my position with getting RK Bro, I felt like I really lucked out, especially in comparison um to other options I had that I was mulling over before 
the draft had started. Brom Breaker, um, they haven't been booking him to my liking in the last few weeks, but um, my man is still in charge of NXT 2.0 as it stands. The only thing I feel like I got screwed on, and that was my own fault because I waited so long, was the women's selection. I I felt like I was really banking on what I thought was going to be the case for the for the summer. Like I had high hopes. I still have high hopes for Cora Jade. I still have high hopes for Jamie Hayter. And I know I got a lot of question marks in regards to my choice of Jamie Hayter over Tony Storm, someone on your team, Scott. And I fully thought that Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm was going to be the final of the Owen Hart Women's Cup. But it was the first round. Screw me. We saw, we know how that happened. But I, I still had faith in Jamie Hayter. I wasn't. I I had a lot of high hopes. I still do for both of them over the course of the next few months. But um, I, I, I love my CM Punk choice at the end, um, especially in comparison to some other choices around before and after him. Like, shout out to you, Ross, your Vince McMahon pick. That turned out well. <laughs> but um, I, I, I felt really comfortable with my team. I still do. And even though Jack may, on paper, be ahead of everybody else by a wide margin – there's still a lot of time left and there's still a lot of pay-per-views. All right. I'm looking at you, Jack, wherever you're at. <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have any questions, anything about Chris's team that stands out that you want to ask about? Yeah. Um, to be honest, Chris, I think your, your two sort of first picks, RK Bro and Bron Breaker, are both sitting comfortably in the top 10 overall for the season. And they've done you very well, especially Bron Breaker in particular with a couple of NXT title defences and what seems to be a, a solid feud going with Joe Gacy. So, and as you said, you know, CM Punk's been heavily featured in AEW with the world title match. Um, I'm still I'm still ribbing you about the Jimmy, Jimmy Hater pick, unfortunately, because it was a bit of a, a shot in the dark, you know, going up against Tony Storm in the first round and losing that. So, unfortunately, that gamble didn't pay off. But my question to you is, your approach for the draft as a whole, especially with the transfer window coming up and a chance to make some changes, would you consider yourself to be more of a logical thinker when it comes to um, draft selection? Or do you consider yourself a more someone who sort of plays it by ear and is more of a, more willing to take a few gambles? This first draft, by my lonesome, because last time when we did the teams, I had Scott to really back me up. So like, he, you know, I was using his vet, veteran mentality. like He'd been in it. He'd won it before. Like he knows how these drafts work. I was just learning from him. Right. And this one on my own, I was using a combination of what I thought was going to be the summer, how I thought people were going to be booked and what's, what's realistically going to happen. Right. RK bro to me at my position was the third best team that I could possibly take. And I, I little did I know they'd be popping up on both raw and SmackDown. So all, all right, great for me. And Braun Breaker just made sense. Uh, Cora Jade, she was in the NXT Women's Championship scene at the time. So I felt like that was a good choice. I thought that she'd be the one to take the belt off of Mandy Rose. That may not be the case anymore, but who knows? We still have a lot of time left. Um, Kevin Owens, Jamie Hayter, those two, I knew they trust Kevin. This Ezekiel stuff, I'm not really rocking with, but he's on TV. I'm happy about it. Jamie Hayter, I, I know that's the big question mark of my of my whole team. But again, I was thinking more so how can the summer go for these people, especially once a lot of the names like Jade Cargill and um, at the time, Sasha Banks, Naomi and um, Thunder Rosa and Britt Breaker, all these other people 
um, that were taken before, before I had the chance to do so, I was thinking how I thought the summer would go, mm-hmm. at least in regards to my own little fantasy booking. But like CM Punk was a steal for me. I thought Kevin Owens went way too low too, especially after the WrestleMania push that he got with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I, again, I have no regrets on my team, especially like that, that Jamie Hayter choice too. I have no regrets. I thought she'd do better, but that's my own hubris, I guess. Mm. Well, suppose you're actually scoring better with Jamie Hayter than, say, Steven is with Bailey, or Jack is scoring with Dakota Kai, or Ryan is with Io Shirai. So I suppose there is uh, some solace to be had in what seemed like a bit of a gamble, what, which didn't pay off. I mean, Jamie Hayter's still getting points on the board, unlike a few of those picks I just mentioned. Right, right. And yeah. I knew every time she'd pop up on TV with Britt Baker, I'd get some love, I'd get some points thrown my way. Um, I thought she'd, she'd fare better in the women's tournament for the Owen Hart cup. But again, I'll cry about it later. But mm-hmm. like I said, she's still popping up a Britt Baker and it's almost a guarantee. Every time Britt's on screen, Jamie Hayter won't be too far behind her. And plus you mentioned people like Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa. I think a big complaint online is that she's been like not been getting a lot of TV time. I think she's only on like 10 points overall yep. uh, right now. And like Banks and Naomi, while they were successful so far, the last week or so has really put a halt to them. So I think everybody else is kind of lessons that maybe they didn't go with them originally. Well, I would like to join in on the slagging about Tony Storm beating Jimmy Heat and who possibly could have foreseen that. We are recording this right before uh, Tony's semi-final match in that tournament against Britt Baker. So she could be at the tournament already. So I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself there. But you do have two big opportunities on your mail side for points coming up in the next couple of weeks. You have Braun Breaker uh, takeover in your house, or particularly not takeover anymore, and CM Punk this weekend taking on Hangman Adam Page. You took Punk very low down in the season, not the last round pick, which is uh, lower than he has in previous seasons since he made his comeback. Was this a case of... Uh, oh, uh, Punk kind of seemed like he slipped through the cracks for a lot of people, so you had to get in there and get him. And do you think he's got a chance of picking up that EW title come down or nothing? So when I was looking at my draft board, right, in that last round, I was stunned that CM Punk wasn't chosen yet. And I know, I, I think at the time when we did the draft, he was off TV for a little bit, going and shooting some TV shows and stuff. So maybe we just forgot about him. But... I think it may have taken like a week or two after I drafted him. And then he starts showing up and then bang, main event scene, main title. All right, great. And I do think he has a legitimate chance to win the belt off of Hangman. I, it's a 50-50 shot. And maybe with Forbidden Door coming in late June, they want the big belt on CM Punk, especially in the arena that he debuted in AEW. So that makes sense to me. But I'm biased against because CM <laughs> Punk's on my team and not Hangman Adam Page. But I think it's a coin flip, honestly. And like I, my captain, Braun Breaker, um, I have all the faith in the world that he'll retain against Joe Gacy. But there's, there's still a, a sense of when's he going to get called up? Because I'm scared when he drops that belt, you know, that's going to be some real, that's going to hurt me. That's going to hurt me real bad. And when he'll pop up on the main roster, he'll give me some points. Yeah, sure. But I, I have all the faith in the world that CM Punk could take the belt. It just depends on how Tony Khan and his little fantasy booking island wants to do AEW the next month. But Forbidden Door, why not put the belt on Punk before then? It's an interesting idea. And yeah, it's you know, weird. Like when we do the show, we ask people, how do you think so-and-so on your team is going to do? Of course, they're going to 
back that person. So it does almost feels weird about asking, but we are around about the halfway point of the season. The transfer window is a couple of weeks away, and it's a couple of weeks away. So uh, you, now you're about halfway through for your first solo season. Are you slowly but surely, like as time goes on, getting more accustomed to the draft? And is there stuff you're learning, think, and picking up that you'll try to improve upon next season? Oh, I'm I'm constantly jotting things down in the notes app on my phone of wrestlers that aren't on other teams. I have everyone's teams written down so I know who's on who. And like, I am figuring out like who's not drafted on the team and who can I pick up at the transfer window that everyone else is going to sleep on. And I know there are some folks that got released from WWE that are going to be dropped and some other folks can get picked up or some folks who are suspended indefinitely. We'll see how long that lasts. But I, I feel confident with what I'm doing. And for my first solo draft, as of, as of this recording, I am, I think, second over, like second out of everybody. I feel very comfy. Now, Jack, I am very bitter towards him <laughs> because of the lead that he has against me and how close I was. I was so darn close until the damn the bloodline. I swear to God, <laughs> they are the bane of my existence. But I, I feel very good. And even if I don't end up on top this season, I still consider this season the win. And we're not even halfway through yet. That's the crazy part. I feel that good about my team and what we're doing this year. Well, you know, like I said, third overall with you and me uh, last season, the tag season, even though we dominated and were in first place for much of that season. And then being second for as, as long as you have so far this season, even though, like you said, you may not come out on top this season, it still shows how impressive you've been so far uh, in your draft and career, for lack of a better word. Do you have anything else you want to ask, Chris? No, I think he's uh, delivered quite a good good delivery of his thinking and also seems very confident in his team. And I hope he can maintain that top position going forward. You know, take it, make the most of, you know, being one of the first to to draft in the order specifically, because that can make a huge difference. Although I think it's unlikely we'll, we've yet to see the, the number one drafter win a season this time around. You know, it often falls to either the first uh, two, the first uh, four people usually, but it's never the first person. Mm-hmm. You know, Jack, you, we rarely see the number one drafter, like the person at the top of the leaderboard even transfer anybody, but Jack's definitely going to have to make a switch to get Dakota Kai out of his team to try and you know, extend that lead. But We'll cover all that when we come to it. Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us here, making time to be on the show. We always love having you here. And mate, uh, we wish you best of luck come the transfer window, and uh, we'll see if you can make any trades that could improve your odds this season. I am so grateful that you guys asked me to do this. Thank you so much. Uh, let me boast about my team for mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Because uh, I do love my team, legitimately. I loved them when I drafted them, and I still love them now. Every single person, yeah, some things didn't go my way over the past, I don't know, like five, six weeks. But at the same time, there's still a lot of time left, and the transfer window's coming up. And I know we already have some folks who are switching up their captains. Another thing in the back of my brain, you know, maybe strategically thinking the long game. I've been thinking the long game since the draft. I've been trying to predict the future the entire time, not sitting in the present and thinking about the future. And so far, I feel pretty good, but there's always room to improve. But 
We'll see what comes during the transfer window. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Chris. So you can catch Chris uh, on a rotational basis alongside myself, David, and John Isher with joining Ross McLeod whenever Ross feels like recording an episode of Central and there isn't some football on or he hasn't bit himself yet another holiday. Yes, our Central on this scene be the same place you can catch episodes of Saturday Draft Live or weekly feature shows in and East Meets West. So make sure everybody follows us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Suplex Retreat. Thank you once again, Chris, for joining us. Dave, thank you once again for joining me as my co-host. Absolutely. I've been so McLeod, your host for this week, and we'll see you next time where we'll probably be talking about the fallout for Double or Nothing and looking ahead at NXT and LNSL as the season ramps up. Goodbye.